Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show. The View from the Press Box with Phil Hay coming up in just a moment or two. Dan here from the Square Ball with a reminder that the show is brought to you in association with, powered by West Yorkshire Electrical, wyelectrical.co.uk for details. They're also on your socials. Solar panel installation, battery storage, EV charging, fire alarm systems, school contracting, test and inspection works both for your home and your business with finance available for work on your home and your business. They do the lot. If it's got wires, they work with it. Uh, wyelectrical.co.uk for details. Phil, the Monday show where we catch up on the weekend. Um, we create a danger for ourselves, Jeopardy, when we try to predict the the team lineup going into Peterborough, which was just as much an exercise in fun as anything else, wasn't it? Because we predicted that off the back of the Birmingham game. Same day it was, wasn't it? And uh, we predicted Spence at right back. It wasn't Spence at right back. It was uh, it was Jamie Shacks. And um, we, we saw Archie Gray moved into midfield as well. So um, all change on that front. I guess we, we can talk about Spence, I guess, in the, in the second half of the show. Let's reflect on um, on the game, first of all, shall we? And um, a day out at, at London Road, although the Western Homes Stadium as it is now. How was it for you from the press box? Well, talking of jeopardy, I mean, that is the FA Cup, really, isn't it? And the average team probably comes away from that game yesterday, 3-0 win at Peterborough, thinking, well, you know, that's what you do in the third round. That's how you handle it. That's how you manage it. But I was saying afterwards that performance and result like that from Leeds is, is not to be sniffed at because we've seen so many FA Cup debacles over the years and particularly away from home that in no way was was that a gimme of a draw for Leeds in spite of the fact that pound for pound and, and man for man it was a game that they that they should have won. I mean, to, to put it simply, they've made a mess of far more easy draws than that, I think, Peterborough away. Peterborough are having a good season in League One and I think you could see in their performance that they are a good team at that level, but there was a definite gulf between the two sides. It just so happened that Leeds didn't score early on when they were on top and then did score um, the first goal at the point where Peterborough seemed to have settled. But from 1-0 onwards, I think you you got the feeling that it was a top-end championship club against a, a capable but limited League One side. So a very good win. And the goal of Bamford's life from him in the second half, I think I would go as far as saying that probably the best goal a lot of us have ever seen in the flesh, no? Absolutely. In terms of the, of the matchup, Daniel Farker was pleased with it, wasn't he? We'll, uh, we'll hear his comments now when he was speaking to Bryn Law on the club's official YouTube channel. Yes, I'm really happy with this win because we played today a side who's sitting in the top position in League One. And if you're sitting in the top position, you have championship quality. We all are seeing what, what Ipswich is doing, who played last season in, uh, in League One. 
and they played with confidence, just good results in the recent weeks. Uh, they had nothing to lose, excited home crowd, they played their best starting 11. It was a game on, on championship level and then to win this game comfortably with a clean sheet win, sheet win with three goals, also really good performance. Uh, I'm quite happy we were also able to rest a few players, were able to give some valuable minutes uh, minutes away. So for us a perfect day today and the most important is we are in the next round. This is what we wanted, this is what we are and so I'm a happy man today. Into the next round and Farka there describing it as a perfect day. Would you agree in terms of getting minutes into the legs, being able to make a few changes, the clean sheet, the full shebang? Yeah, that, over the years, I, I can't think of many instances where losing early in the FA Cup or the League Cup has particularly helped Leeds. And, and I don't think it ever does them any good to, to lose games that they, they should be winning. I know there was a bit of frustration at the club after the defeat to Crawley in, in 2021 because that felt like an occasion where with Premier League position in, in such you know, such good condition and, and Leeds looking like they were not already safe at that point, but but very close, that that was an opportunity to have a good go at the competition and, and to have a, a bit of a run. But I think more specifically, I always remember some of the senior centres on the pitch at Newport after that defeat under Christensen, that the team that Christensen had picked on the day, you just couldn't afford to go with that lineup at a ground like that and away to a team like that. It, they were too exposed. It was, there were too many changes. It was too unsettled. Farka seemed to get it right yesterday, able to give players who needed minutes some minutes, able to to mix the team up, to rest a couple of players who needed to to come out, but without doing it in a way which completely disrupted the flow and didn't leave them with enough quality on the pitch to to win the tie in the end. I think it was quite notable, though, that, again, Ethan Ampadu in at centre-back when there were other alternatives there. You know, Liam Cooper, Charlie Creswell, who, who didn't travel again and probably worth a, a bit of discussion from us not for the first time because his, his future does seem does seem a bit difficult to put your finger on at the moment given the fact that, that yesterday felt like the sort of game that he would absolutely have been involved in, you would have thought. But Ampadu feels more and more to me like the key figure in Farker's dressing room from Farker's perspective. You know, that's 29 starts on the bounce for him now. He's been used in the League Cup, he's been used in the FA Cup. The opportunities to rest him have, have never been taken. He seems happy to be playing. I have to say, we spoke to him afterwards and I said, you know, convention in modern football is that you don't play every game now, that you do rotate, that players get a rest, that the fixture list is too congested, there are too many games and, and players don't like the way the schedule falls. But he said, you know, in his earlier years when he was at Chelsea and going out on loan, he had periods where he didn't get many minutes. And actually, this is how he'd wanted to be, you know, where you are getting played every single week. But I do think, you know, there's a, a big contrast there between Ampadu, who... who Farker clearly trusts to the point of playing him in, in every single game, you know, and you see how far that trust will extend. And then the scenario with Spence where, you know, he's gone midway through alone and you're looking at a very good right back who clearly is just not for Farker at, at this stage, heading back to Spurs, having not contributed as much as anybody would have wanted. What did you make of uh, Richard Creswell's comments on the eve of the game? Again, it's all done via socials. Richard Creswell, of course, being Charlie Creswell's dad, but also significantly his agent as well complaining about the lack of, of minutes. He'd like to see his son play again sometime. Natural frustration or, or was that a little bit of overspill in your mind? It might have been overspill, yeah, um, but definite frustration there. And, and in my experience, these things don't tend to go unnoticed um, by coaches or, or coaching staff. I mean, Farker didn't allude to it yesterday and, and actually didn't say anything about it at all when we asked him. He, we, we got on to Creswell after the Birmingham game when he'd said that he'd, he'd, wanted, he'd wanted a more attacking bench, which is why Creswell hadn't been involved. It said that on you know on the one hand they do really rate Creswell and he's got a long contract, but evidently is not playing him and, and is not using him and, and didn't take him in the squad to, to Peterborough yesterday. And against the League One side, when it comes down to you know players who need minutes, 
Criswell seemed to fall into into that category. So you've got this contradiction really of someone who Farkas says he rates, but seems to be a long way from the picture. And I don't think it's much of a secret that Creswell would like to be playing more. I don't think it's much of a secret that, given that there is ample loan interest in him, that he would like to go out if he isn't going to play. Um, but the message, and I said this a few weeks ago, the message to him and to to Joe Gelhart has been, you know, that, that they're needed and they're, and they're not available and that Leeds don't want to lose them. Whether or not that stance holds, and again, I've said this a few times, interests me because, you know, you, you do wonder whether these things will come to a head as the window goes on. But yeah, I mean, in, in terms of Richard Creswell's tweet um, or his, his Instagram post in particular, as I say, clubs and, and coaching coaching staff tend to pick up on these things. I suspect um, Richard will already have known at the point where he posted that that that, um, that Charlie wasn't going to be in the squad. But either way, it probably doesn't help. Just returning to um, Ethan Ampadu, then uh, a fine day for him, trebling yeah. his goals tally for his is that for his career now. Um, and we'll we'll hear actually the comments that Farker made about him and, and his demands for more goals from the midfield. I think it was his uh, first and second goal in, uh, in, in the senior uh, level for Ethan. I'm always uh, holding the pressure high that he needs to score goals. So I'm happy for him. Yeah, he deserves it. Um, he's so so great and so valuable uh, for us. But it's also important that my midfielders or defensive players chip in uh, also with goals, sometimes out of set pieces. Ethan scored today too. Out of set pieces is why I'm always on it and, and talk to my defensive players because sometimes you have to open a game or to bury a game even with set piece and I'm um, delighted for, for Ethan and hope makes him even more greedy to, to keep going also in, in order to score goals. Goals from midfield, Phil. There aren't many coming this season, are there? But then again, I think if you're saying an Ampadu in search of goals, you're not really looking at his track record. Uh, one before yesterday, which was for, um, for Spezio in Spain in a um, Serie A relegation playoff the only goal he's ever scored at, at first team level prior to, to Peterborough away and I think when you have his sort of goal scoring record you need the type of chance that fell to him in the first half you know that almost can't miss opportunity where in slightly strange circumstances because of what went on in, in the build up to that chance he, he was left kind of thinking well I might as well stick this in but that yeah one of a couple of moments of controversy that it, it seemed to us the, the whistle went as Jaden Anthony was running up to take the free kick. I would need to look back and watch back really closely to see exactly when the whistle did sound. I think Peterborough's perspective was that it hadn't gone at all before Anthony struck the ball. We felt as if it had gone just as he was about to hit it. But one way or the other, it made Peterborough freeze. And, you know, Bamford's kind of semi-knockdown was, I think, a bit of an indication that he didn't really know what was going on either. But it, it had the effect of giving Ampadu a, a tap-in. I don't think that was any more controversial, particularly than the, the penalty decision soon after on Nonto. Um, I think that has to be a penalty. And it, it falls into that category of decisions where it can't be both. It can't be not a foul and it can't be not a, not a dive. It has to be one or the other because quite clearly defender didn't get a touch on the ball and everybody could could see that. Watching it back um, in the replay, in real time, I thought it was definitely a penalty. Watching it back, people made the point that you know it's Nonto's trailing leg. Um, that that gets caught, but at the same time, I think that penalty gets given nine times out of ten, and I think it should have been. Um, our Rob mentioned on the match ball that uh, there were tweets doing the rounds suggesting that somebody in the crowd had blown a whistle, which might have confused everybody. It came from Five Live that I think who were, were because very soon after, um, right in front of us, there was uh, there was somebody who was thrown out or taken out of the um, of the main stand who we assumed was a lead supporter because, as before, you know the, the tradition that as tends to be. Lower league grounds with Leeds is that you get a lot of a lot of Leeds fans in, or a certain number of Leeds fans in the home end. And again, they had uh, one full stand and, and half of the the stand that we were in yesterday. So a big a big away following. 
our assumption at that time was that it was a Leeds fan being ejected from that area. Five Live did suggest, I saw a, a message on their blog um, that a whistle had been blown from that area. But again, those of us sitting in the press box were discussing that. We didn't hear it at the time. It seemed to us more a case that the whistle went after Anthony had started his run-up. And I think Peterborough's, Peterborough's view was that on that basis, he should have been asked to, to retake it. But I would have to watch back and, and listen really closely to see whether or not the ball was struck before the whistle was blown, because it was close. Yeah, 4,000 away fans for that one, which was, I mean, Farker praised them in the um, in the post-match uh, again, didn't he? And always always in fine fettle when you travel in those sorts of numbers to a smaller ground, particularly a, a League One one. What did you make of it from the uh, the press box? It was a really good atmosphere. It was a it was a good crowd, and I think if you go in those numbers for a third round tie, you you're chuffed to bits if you get a goal like Bamford's in the second half. I mean, he he does have very good technique when it comes to striking the ball, Bamford. Despite everything, despite the chances he misses, when he you know when he finishes cleanly and when he finishes sweetly, I'm thinking again of, of the the goal that that sealed his hat trick away at Aston Villa in, in the Premier League. That's what he can do, and. You know, that finish made a bit of a mockery of the, the old story about him when he was at Crystal Palace. It took Palace a while to realise that he was actually left-footed. You know, because that, that's that's a stronger foot. That was the, the clean strike yesterday. Everything about it was just exquisite, really. And it's it's not even just the swivel and, and the hit. It's the way in which the ball has to be controlled and the fact that when he's chesting it down, he's, you know, he's off the floor. Incredibly difficult chance. Um, I was asking our data guys today, you know, what was the, the XG on that opportunity? And they said that, unfortunately, with it being Peterborough, nobody was particularly studying it closely enough to be able to give exact details. But um, a few of the, the lads in our office were saying, if you were somewhere down at about 0.01 XG for that chance, you wouldn't be far off. Not bad. And that's pretty much what Farker said. Here were his comments in the uh, in the after-match interviews. Patrick's goal was uh, quite all right. That's right. <laughs> of course, it was a world-class uh, goal. We don't have to uh, talk about it. Um, but the whole world is praising Patrick right now, so he doesn't need me right now to, to praise him. So for me, I'm more concentrated on what he's giving to the to the team. And after difficult starting to the season, it was important that he's back on track right now also um, in, in, in training, working hard, coming into his rhythm, important minutes also for... Uh, for him today and the most um, important topic for him is always that he stays fit that his body works and then he keeps going and uh, obviously also goals are always priceless for the confidence of my offensive players quite happy that uh, Patrick is in uh, such a good situation uh, back again Nice to see him heading back towards fitness and form again Patrick Bamford because it's been proper hit and miss for him hasn't it? To say the least I think there's a question for Farker now about what you do with him because this is the best week he's had in a long long time I always say this, but you know, fitness has been part of it, injury has been part of it, and that has, has stunted his ability to to make an impact. And I think if you're kind of fair and objective about Bamford, well, absolutely accepting, you know, some of the misses, some of the chances, some of the penalties have been extremely costly and and in periods haven't haven't been good enough. The two seasons where he's basically avoided injury, 1920 and, and 2021, were when he served up 16 and 17 goals, respectively. And that that was what took him to to his England debut in the summer of, of 2021. But it has been a, a downward slope for him since then. And it's it, it's developed into this scenario where it doesn't feel like Leeds have given him much pleasure. It doesn't feel like he's given Leeds much pleasure either. And and there's that sort of there's that sort of frustration between the crowd and him or that has been there for, for quite a while. But I've always looked at Bamford as a as a confidence player. I, I think he is somebody who 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 performs better, who looks better, body language looks better when, when he's got that flowing. 
And if you go back through his track record, without suggesting that the runs of goals that he gets on are really, really extensive and go on forever, he is a player who tends to score in bunches. You know, they do tend to come in in patches. So I think it was six or seven in eight um, in the Premier League season, six from six in the season when, when Leeds went up. As I say, it's not as if it's wildly prolific and it's not as if it, it goes on indefinitely. But it does suggest to me that he's the sort of player that you need to try and cash in on in a competitive sense when he's he's kind of running hot. And, you know, I, I suppose to, to cut to the chase, I think you, if you were Farker, you'd be very, very tempted to start him at Cardiff now at the weekend. Having, having not only scored against Birmingham, but played as he did against Birmingham. And I accept that Birmingham weren't great and Rooney was sacked after that game, which I think made a, a lot of sense on the basis of their form and, and also the performance on the day. And also you're talking about a, a League One side in, in Peterborough. But I just think he'll have his tail up now uh, and he will be... He will be a little bit full of it in the way that, that he needs to be. And I think if you're going to make something at Bamford this season properly, this is where you have to kind of really back him. And I think, again, you know, to, to go back to Spence a little bit, you know, and I spoke about the way in which Farker seems to be investing a huge amount in um, in Ampadu. There's also been a big reluctance on Farker's part to, to kind of push the narrative, because he's been asked about this at several press conferences, but push the narrative that Bamford's unhappy or, you know, doesn't want to be here, unproductive or or that, you know, he's got nothing left to offer. Always been very complimentary and always been been very positive about him when, when we've asked. And has now given him this this opportunity to play, which which has paid off. And and as I say, it would it would seem to me to be a, a slightly odd decision that having got a player into a bit of form who's desperately been looking for form for a long time, you you decide not to use him um in the weekend that follows. Because to be quite honest, up to this point Certainly under Farker this season. He hasn't looked like much of an impact sub to me. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Did you get much uh, in the way of decent comments from Darren Ferguson in the post-match? Because not a lot has been reported since. I just wondered how he had taken the defeat because we have seen historically that uh, he's not been best pleased when Leeds have gone there and won. You'd love to know. Um, we didn't get to speak to, or I didn't get to speak to Ferguson because we were in the middle of um, Farker. We were just waiting for Farker to come over and do his turn. Peterborough don't or didn't yesterday have a, a press room for us to use, so it was all done pitch side, which means that it's all a bit ad hoc. So we were we were speaking to Farker and then speaking to to Ampadu. 
So um, quite honestly, um, Ferguson's view on it, I'm, I'm not entirely sure about. I think he, he will almost certainly, I would imagine, have great about the first goal. Although, as I say, I think Peterborough got very lucky with the penalty decision. I don't think I'd be especially unhappy with that performance from Peterborough. I think once they settled after difficult opening spell, they looked pretty good, but there was definitely a golf. And you could see that the superior players were, were in Farker's camp. And it was, it was a deserved win. It was comprehensive. And as I say, not a mean feat because Leeds have made a, a right meal of games like this several times in the past. It was um, it was almost strange in the in the simplicity with which the, the victory came, wasn't it, really? Um, quite jarring given our, I was going to say our recent history, I'm thinking probably the last 20 to 25 years, probably. Well, as I say, if you take Bamford School out of that and replace Leeds with the kind of average top-end championship side or Premier League side, then it would be very little to write home about, would it? It would just have been standard um, FA Cup fixture. But because Leeds have been kind of source of entertainment for everybody else in this competition for so long, there is that bit of trepidation with these fixtures and, and everybody knows the, the track record. But in the end, it was it was a, a, a final day. And I think the thing that will stick with me about the Bamford goal is the reaction of the other players around them. You know, like hands on their heads and, and mouths open. Everybody seemed to realise straight away. There are a few Peterborough fans in front of me who I'm sure will regret it now, but it was kind of like a bit of involuntary applause because what else do you do? I think everybody realised at the time that it was it was really, really special. And as I say, absolutely deserved to go through. And just, the, I mean, people may be listening to this after the draw takes place, but we're still waiting for it now. And just that wait now to see whether or not it will be a 14th away, uh, uh, 14th tie away from home. Could well be. Could well be. We shall see, won't we? It's a 50-50 shot, but it doesn't feel like a 50-50 shot, if, <laughs> if you know what I mean. I know the odds of 14 consecutive aways are astronomical. We mentioned it on the match ball yesterday, but let's see Let's see what the uh, the heated balls deliver, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> well, surely if any result is going to break that run and any performance is going to break that run, it was yesterday's. Well, indeed. It's a, it's a nice distraction, actually, as much as we were sort of questioning heading into this is the FA Cup a bit of a distraction? And it seems to be a conversation we have every single year. And, and, and you know, depending on the draw for the fourth round, it may prove to be so because the Norwich game is going to get um, rearranged, isn't it, now as a result of uh, of winning over the weekend. It's still nice to keep that momentum going to come off the back of 1-3-0 win with another one. I think the one thing I'm conscious of with the fixture list, not so much the odd FA Cup tie dropping into it, but it's the amount of travelling that Leeds are about to start doing. The fixture list away from home it's particularly severe when it comes to distances. You know, Cardiff, Bristol City, Swansea, Plymouth, all, all of those before the middle of February. And I think this spell now is going to be a good test of whether or not Farker can get a grip of the, the results away from home and can, you know, can address the issues that we've been talking about, can make the, the away form kind of marry up a little bit more closely to, to what has been excellent run of results um, at home. But it is going to be extremely demanding this period. And I hope people have got their air miles vouchers. Just returning to the chat about Spence, which is where we uh, we kicked off the show there. He has obviously gone back to Spurs. Doesn't reflect well on him, does it? And I know Farker kept his powder dry up to a point in what he said. He was very sort of genial in his first answer about Spence. But then uh, later on in the press conference, he returned to the topic when questioned further and spoke about professionalism, you know, reading between the lines and it doesn't take a genius to do so. There was obviously no. some sort of issue there that meant Farker just wasn't having a bar of it. He said he said enough, I think. In the end, it was easy easy to read between the lines and, and to understand that that, that, that Spencer's performance, um, be it in matches or in training or around the training ground, you know, general attitude, general, general demeanour was just not what Farker wanted in the camp. 
Um, nobody at the club has said whether there was a specific issue which led to a blow-up or, or led to a, a kind of forthright decision to, to terminate the deal. But I think it's worth remembering as well that he won't have been a particularly cheap loanee from Tottenham at all. And it seems to me that with Spence, if you, if you go back through his career, he had a very, very good season at Forest, which I think proved him to be an extremely good footballer. And I did think when you watched him play that you could see real flashes of the, the sort of natural talent that he has. But equally... You know, to think of the game away at Blackburn, you remember the big debrief that Farke gave him on the pitch afterwards. We sat and watched that and it went on for a good 60, 60 to 90 seconds. And it did seem to be a bit of trying to make a point about game management and tracking back and everything else. Um, go further back from Forest to, to Middlesbrough where Neil Warnock just wasn't having Spence at all, which is why he ended up at, at Forest on loan. And you can see that, well, you know, there was a manager in Steve Cooper who, who managed to get absolutely the best out of him. Um, I think there are other managers who found him to be to be very, very hard work. And I suspect that Farke in the end falls into that category as well. It's unfortunate, I think, that such a good player has, has made so little impact. And I do think that the, the injury he had right at the outset was the, kind of the worst possible start in terms of getting him going and, and getting him into, into a flow. Um, but I think we're starting to see with Farke that he can be pretty ruthless and and there isn't an awful lot of messing about when it comes to, you know, who he rates, who he doesn't, who he has faith in, who he doesn't. As I say, you contrast Ampadu with Spence and I think it tells you a story. Will Leeds be in the hunt for another right back? We've seen a lot of reports of Connor Roberts at Burnley being a target, Phil. Um, left back, we mentioned Josh Doig in the run-up to the um, the Peterborough game. Uh, there are reports of David Brooks being linked at, at Bournemouth. Do you know where Leeds are sitting on this? Do you think they might be a little bit more active than perhaps we first thought? Yeah, a few people have been telling us that they like Nico Williams at, at Forest as well, but I don't think there is much or any scope for Forest letting him out. He seems to be well in the in the plans of Nuno, or at least well well rated by Nuno. It is very very quiet, I have to say, on on the transfer front at Leeds at the moment. And you know, I did pick up on the quotes from Fak. I wasn't at the press conference last week; I was away. But him saying, you know, we're quite well covered at, at fullback. It doesn't really feel like that. I have to be honest to to look at the squad. It doesn't feel as if they're they're absolutely rock solid in in those positions. And again, you, you would expect that there would be some strengthening there before the the window um, the window closes. The noises from Bournemouth seem to be a bit inconclusive about whether Bournemouth really want Brooks to go. You'll have seen Leeds linked with um, Fabio Cavallo at Liverpool over the weekend, but it looks this morning like he'll be going to Hull. Um, I think key decision for Liverpool on that front was how much time he was going to get on the pitch and how many minutes he he was going to play. Um, so we did ask Farker yesterday, you know, was there anything brewing? Was there anything close? How was it all going? And he gave the impression that there was nothing really developed at the moment to the point where, where he would want to to speak about it. So, yeah, watch with interest. I think on the on the outgoings in the next 24 hours or so, we'll see um, Eintracht Frankfurt agree a permanent, permanent contract with, with Robin Koch, um, which will kick in at the end of the season when his loan is up. He's, he's out of contract with Leeds in the summer seems to have done well over there, or at least Eintracht Frankfurt seem to be very happy with him. So expecting pre-contract to get agreed there. Quiet at the moment at Leeds doesn't necessarily mean they're not doing anything, does it? Because I know that oh. people hear those words on like this show and then automatically go, well, they're not doing anything. They need to get their acting gear. It's possibly worth just stressing that, you know, you are in a, as we've said before, in the transfer window, it's a very dynamic situation, isn't it? And and you can't force other clubs to let players go at this stage if they're not ready to do so. If they're waiting on options themselves, they're assessing their squads, they want to do something in another week or two. So it's not that they're not doing anything. It's just that there's nothing rumbling immediately at the moment. No, and I mean, circumstances change. I mean, for instance, somebody was telling me that, that Carvalho hadn't fancied Burnley um, in the summer, wasn't moved that he thought would, would necessarily be, be good for him. 
but it you know looks at the moment very close to to dropping down into the championship and and I guess it becomes you know a case of being a little bit pragmatic doesn't it if you want to play and you, and you do actually want minutes and you want games and you've got your parent club saying to you you need to be playing then you need to be open minded about what you what you go for I think and this is always the case in January you have a kind of finite number of available players in this window and obviously every window is is finite in the sense that not everybody is for sale but they tend to be fewer available at this time of year and you do find going back many many years that an awful lot of championship clubs want exactly the same footballer, you know, and that there is a very, very small pool who championship clubs would take every day of the week. I think the key for Leeds at the end of this window is not to be seen to leave themselves short. That would be the criticism of them um, if they do. And I still don't think that vast amounts need to happen in this window, but I think it, it would be a, a concern if, if nothing of note occurred. Do you think it's another interesting test of the 49ers ownership at this stage about whether they want to push on and try and get that promotion spot secured this season or whether they view it as a two-year project because what they do in this window will go a long way to indicating what their intentions are. I think it will, although I don't think you can discount, and I know people hate hearing about this, but I don't think you can discount the the influence of PNS either and the, the fact that you do have spending limits in this division and, and you've got to stay within them. I don't know exactly how much headroom they have. I don't know how much scope there is left to spend, but it won't be vast. Um, and it isn't vast for, for most clubs in this division. But you're right. I mean, this is, as they will find out, this is the point that can make or break a season if you get it right. But as I've said before, they feel a bit more strategic than previous ownership groups, I think. Um, the 49ers more inclined to take a, a longer term view. But I don't doubt for a second that if if there's a serious chance of going up this season, which there definitely is, then everybody would want to take it. What would you do? I would absolutely sign a left-back um, without any question, more than anything, because the injuries have just started to creep in a little bit for Byron. And they don't seem like they're major and they don't seem like they're extreme or likely to rule him out for, for any length of time. But I think you have to mitigate the risk that they do you know, they do start to pile up slightly and he does start to miss far more in the way games than, than he did in the first half of the season. I think I would be replacing Spence as well because if Ailing isn't in favour, which he clearly isn't, it doesn't seem to me that there is necessarily a natural out-and-out right-back available. I know Shackleton can play there and play well and I know Archie Gray has played there and played well, but it feels like you're playing them out of position. If there was an option, I would be tempted to do a 10 as well, but I am quite realistic about the, the ability to land that sort of player in this window. And I think also to land a player who you can promise minutes to because of what is already up front and, and what is already there. But yeah, I think defensively, that's where Farka has to be looking. Nice one, Phil. Well, we'll get back together towards the end of the week, you, me and Michael, and we will preview Cardiff. So I'll speak to you then, all right? Thank you. See you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.